0: Welcome back to K-Chat with me, your host, Kayla Morales. We chat all things from love to business to spirituality, health and wellness, and everything in between. This is a space of growth, understanding, and meaningful connection. If this episode resonates with you, please like, comment, and share. All of those things really help me out when it comes to figuring out what you might like to hear next. All right, I'm so excited to share this episode with you all. So let's get to chatting. Today's guest is a talented writer, content creator, and a dear friend of mine. She has turned her love for writing and sports into a career for herself. I am so inspired by her drive and her story, and I know you all will be as well. Let's welcome Miss Jordan Liggins. What's up? <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much for having me on Kate Chat. Yeah! Thanks for coming. Um, I'm excited to um, to chat with you. Like, I feel like we haven't had a really big conversation in a little while, so I feel like this will be good. Yeah. Yes, um, I'm so excited. <laughs> let's, like, begin with your journey as a writer. Like, when did you first fall in love with writing, and kind of how how did you get to where you are now?
1: Yeah, so I first fell in love with writing, really the storytelling of of writing. I think I was in second grade and I wrote a book called The Prince in Me mm-hmm. and we got to like bound it by cardstock and I picked pink and I got to, you know, draw the cover. And I was so excited because these were my words and I created something it was able to tell this story and I created these characters and then I realized slowly you know getting into journalism that sometimes we don't have to make up fictional characters we have our own stories that are amazing and are um, you know need to be told and shared Um, so in high school I was editor-in-chief of our newspaper and really you know investigative journalism at 10th grade. <laughs> yeah. um, I look back at those and they are so terrible, really bad. But it was more of just the, the processes that go within um, journalism, you know, talking to people, getting sources. And I realized that that really fired me up. That got me so excited. So then I went to college and was able to stay on the newspaper for them and having amazing professors that pushed me to dig deeper into stories and and more you know non-fiction writing and and you know instead of just an interview one-on-one what's behind the curtain what what are they not telling what's around you what what else are you able to interview them about yeah. um so now <laughs> it's it's doing more of that, but also figuring out other ways to tell stories in content, whether that be on social and video and podcasting and everything. It's, it's yeah. all vessels to tell stories. So I, it still gets me really excited. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like you would
0: be great at having a podcast. Have you thought about it?
1: I am working
0: on that at my yeah. job now. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: Oh yeah, yeah congratulations
0: like- on your new job, by the way.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited about it. And that was a part of the pool. I, I was going to be able to get a WNBA podcast at The Ringer, but now being able to talk about youth sports and be able to interview people that, you know, what are your lessons you learned from youth sports? What are some coaches that really inspired you? And um, kind of keeping with the passion of, of sports. Like sports yeah. change lives, which is what I'm so passionate about, and I love about sports. And I will tell everybody that sports are the best. So, getting more to the root of that, and I'm launching their audio and podcast
0: sphere. Cool. Oh, that's so cool! Congrats, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank- I actually I want to go back um, and kind of talk about your journey, like as a writer through college, and then you got your um, your first big girl job, like at mm-hmm. um locale like i want to talk about that whole thing and then and then your transition to the ringer um i want to go deep because i know that was like a tricky time for you and i think yeah. It, yeah i think it would just be helpful to share that story
1: yeah so my senior year i played basketball at point loma all four years me and kayla went to school together <laughs> shut up uh, again <laughs> <laughs> um w- I, my senior year, I got injured. I tore my labrum in my shoulder and it was like probably three weeks before senior night, like end of the season, end yeah. of my career. It was devastating. This is not how I wanted to end my basketball career. But because of that, I was really able to start thinking about what's next. Like we're mm-hmm. about to graduate. What are where do you want to work? Where do you, what do you want to do? Um, so I found this, this posting for a job of an editor. Um, it was over a month old, the posting. So I was like, uh, I'm just (laughs) shooting my shot. I'm a senior in college. We need to shoot all the shots. Um, I looked at the editor and I'm like, okay, I'm just out of college. I can't possibly be an editor. Um, so I sent an email to the publisher, which is really wild now that I think about it, but whatever. (laughs) And I just said, you know, I'm just about, I'm about to graduate. I don't know if I'm qualified to be an editor, but if you need an editorial assistant, here's my website, here's, here's some of my clips, here's my resume. And, um, he forwarded off to the, the CFO and she reached out to me and said, you know, can you come for an interview like next week? And I was like, "Uh, OK. Yeah. And <laughs> so long story short, I got the editor job and I it turned into a senior editor after being there for two years and really helping shape the voice of the magazine and It was tough because that was my dream job my dream job was to be a magazine editor but that was my first job ever yeah um and it was a little different than what i expected it wasn't jenna rink from (laughs) 13 going on 30 it was a little (laughs) it was a little different it was a lot about you know advertising and Partners and turning it into advertorials. So I felt like my voice was getting lost. It was all about money. Yeah. Um, and ethically, that didn't sit well with me. And it never did, really, from like my first week there. But I kind of pushed it aside, repressed those emotions because it was my dream job. Like, yeah, I was like, well, this is just what it is. Um, but then I realized over those two, two and a half years that I kept gravitating to the sports stories. I wanted to write about every athlete. I was the only person that really knew about sports, but I also loved that I could tell their story from a former athlete perspective. Yeah. And so when I was looking for other opportunities, I saw the ringer. I knew who Bill Simmons was. He is a, um, you know, world-renowned journalist, sports journalist, and Celtics fan, but I don't hold that against him. (laughs) And um, I I saw that it was a fact checker and I knew that that was a a step down. You know, I was a senior editor and I was like in love with this title and I wanted to kind of ride that wave, but I knew it was a step back to propel me forward. I knew that I was a senior editor at a local publication so I was senior I was Anaheim senior editor level yeah. but this would be a, a step in the door to sports journalism moving to LA and being able to to know that it's going to grow my my journalism skills are gonna grow I'm gonna be around really smart writers. And so I took it. I remember my mom being like, you're not married. You don't have any kids. You have no ties. To I Anaheim. love when moms
0: <laughs> give that speech. It's like, you can do anything right now with your life. Like, do it. <laughs> I know it was kind of sad. I was like, okay, I know I'm not married. <laughs> Thanks. But it was
1: a reminder like, okay, this is the time. This would be yeah. the time to move to LA to, you know, take a chance to To pivot in my career to sports journalism and when I got there I had a huge case of imposter syndrome I was like you know I love sports and I know a lot about sports but you guys know a lot about sports (laughs) and you guys are very good writers So it was so humbling, like that senior editor title meant nothing because they were coming from Wall Street Journal, ESPN, and they were like actual (laughs)
0: journalists. I want to go back for a second. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: No, no, go. Um,
0: did you ever, um, feel like you suffered from imposter syndrome at locale? Like, what were your challenges there? I didn't. I
1: felt like I was fresh out of journalism school. Mm -hmm. So I was like on this mission to restore journalism. I was like, Mm -hmm. we're going to tell stories. We're going to get sources. It's going to be all this. And it was deflating because that's not how they ran their magazine. It Mm -hmm. was like, okay, we need to talk to our partner who paid for this story. And they're going to tell you everything that you need to know. And it's going to be super glossed over and not the, the journalistic truth, you know, it, yeah. it's gonna be the whatever they want to present, like which coated, is sugar coated. Yeah, sugar coated. It's very like you know, it was for the camera. And coming out of journalism school, that was like the opposite of everything that I learned. Um, so I, I didn't have as much imposter syndrome there. I think it was hard because it was a small magazine and Mm -hmm. you were expected to do a lot Mm -hmm. you weren't just editing you were writing you were looking for freelancers you were hosting events you were like you were doing everything which would probably be you know six different jobs at a typical uh, magazine or newspaper so that was a challenge but I'm thankful for that because now I'm in a position at a startup where you're doing the same thing like that's just Mm -hmm. what happens you got to wear all these different hats so so I'm thankful for that but getting to the ringer it was that's when the imposter syndrome set in I started thinking oh I'm not even good enough to be here like what was I thinking to I had in my mind I'm going to be a fact checker for six months I'm going to blow them away I'm going to be a writer (laughs) and this is what I'm going to do classic Jordan (laughs) but That didn't happen. I was a fact checker for two years. And I I still pretty much had to beg for writing opportunities. Whereas at the local at locale, it was like, yeah, Jordan, whatever you want to write, like go ahead. You know, it was it's just a different, it was different. So that's that was tough. That was definitely tough.
0: What do you think is like your one takeaway, like major takeaway from the ringer?
1: My major takeaway from the ringer is probably as cheesy as it sounds, but believe in yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think because I had that imposter syndrome and thinking I wasn't good enough, but really being able to carve out a lane for me Mm -hmm. with WNBA coverage, they were not covering the WNBA at scale. And I I saw that void and I said, I played basketball I love women's sports like this is something I can add to your company Mm -hmm. and really knowing my worth in that knowing how good of a writer I am knowing that I wanted to be on podcasts putting my mind to it and saying like you guys need this I'm here this isn't my position but I'm willing to help in that way i know that's also going to help me you know build my clips and i have these published articles on the ringer.com and being able to be recognized for that on twitter and everywhere else it's like oh jordan is the WNBA correspondent for the ringer and trying to like put my stakeholder for that so That wouldn't have happened if I didn't believe in myself and know my worth and know what I can offer because they weren't going to offer that to me. (laughs) They just wanted me to keep fact-checking. So you kind of have to jump out there, see a void and say, okay, how can I fill this? Because they aren't going to pay someone extra to fill this. You're already paying me. So let's help each other out. Basically.
0: (laughs) I feel like Well, one, I'm so proud of you. Like, that's really, that's really powerful. And like, not only for yourself, but as a woman, like um, advocating for other women and like seeing the lack in diversity in their stories and, and bringing it to, to everyone else's awareness and then fulfilling it is like really cool. Um, How did you, what do you think was like the switch for you? Like, between imposter syndrome and then like stepping into your power and like kind of advocate advocating for yourself in order to get that spot
1: here's where i'm going to do the cheesy shout out of my boyfriend because (laughs) freddie really helped me realize when i felt like wow they really they know so much like i don't know enough I'm like studying stats (laughs) to be able to keep up in conversation with them. And that was specifically about the NBA and also other sports. Mm -hmm. But when it came to the WNBA, he really empowered me to say, like, you know, this like you this this isn't new to you. You are a fan of women's basketball, but you. Know all their stories, you know their names, you know where they went to college, you know their stats, and step into that. And Mm -hmm. he really spoke life into me to say, like, you know, they may have their own thing and they know what they know, but you know what you know. Like, being able to say, like, you can hold your weight in the WNBA conversation. Ever since we had that talk, and I was asked to go on podcasts, I was asked to write, it was I know this. And I'm speaking from my point of view. I'm speaking from a place of going to all those Sparks games from watching the Monarchs as a little girl. Like I know what I'm talking about and being able to own that and the imposter syndrome went away. And I knew also if we're talking about baseball, I don't know a lot and that's okay. Like I don't (laughs) have to know everything because some people do and that's amazing but I'm not going to continue to compare myself to what they know their brain their knowledge their past experiences I can't compete with that yeah so yeah good old Freddie
0: that's so good yeah go Freddie we stand (laughs) so also I I think I remember this about locale and I could be wrong you can correct me but um what was it like being one of very few um black women in the space especially in a leadership position right yeah um, I was the only was, one <laughs> what was that like what kind of responsibility do you feel like that came with
1: it comes with a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. unfortunately I'm used to it um especially going to Point Loma <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where me and Kayla were the only black girls uh, <laughs> across campus but I went to local, which is, let me just set the scene for you. It's Orange County. It's Newport Beach. It's a luxury lifestyle magazine. We have, you know, Botox partners. We have <laughs> all of these things that is just so real housewives of Orange County. Literally, they were on our cover. So. <laughs> I felt an enormous responsibility to be able to say, you know, especially in our LA magazines and our San Diego magazines and our Las Vegas market, not everybody looks like this. Not everybody Mm -hmm. is white and blonde, like all the people that work here and who you're putting on your covers. Um, I think I had, you know, an enormous impact there by saying we need to diversify who we feature. Yeah. Because that came down to our name and a person's face is on this cover. We need to show that we are for more people than just the select few that are white and rich that live in Newport. Like mm-hmm. it has to be bigger than that because the topics that we're talking about and the stories are are worth that. They're, they're bigger than that. Um, so being able to have the first Black woman on their cover and be able to speak up and, and vouch for them. And also seeing after I left how they continue to have more diversity on their cover. Um, I, I think that's just very important. But it was, it was hard. It was a lot of responsibility <laughs> to be the only one and feeling like I had to the only, yeah. vet out everything that could be problematic or um, different <laughs> and them just not having even diversity in their friendship circles and their families um, and then that was the same at the ringer That was a much bigger company and I was still the only black woman. Wow um, and when everything after you know the killing of George Floyd this past May, feeling like I was um, like the free (laughs) diversity officer for a company. Um, And that was like my added on title that I did not want. So that's just, that's an extra burden kind of. Um, I changed it a little different. I knew that that was coming. I knew that that was going to happen. I knew the guilty messages were going to start flowing. And I just wanted to open the conversation because if you don't have this conversation with a black woman or a black man, anyone of color, you're gonna go and, and have another conversation with one of your white friends and not yeah. be able to know what you're saying wrong, know what's problematic with what you're saying, what you're doing. So I, I did take that on for a little bit yeah. to, to I- be like, I'm okay with having that conversation.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's like this this divide a little bit because it is a lot of responsibility and mm-hmm. and a heavy weight to carry that like nobody should have to carry. Right, but there is like like a divide in in that I think about often. And I'm like, I'll, I'll take on the story. Like, I'll I'll take on not the story, but I'll take on the responsibility. Yeah, and have these conversations, but on the other side, it's like, but I don't want to. <laughs> so yeah, you're like trying to balance out, like you know what's what's best, but but it does burden you and it affects your health, like your mental health, and even sometimes your actual health. So yeah, it was but, a lot. Um, but I'm really twenty twenty has been
1: a lot <laughs>
0: <laughs> twenty twenty. But I'm proud of you for like, you know, I I think between locale and then the ringer you had your moments of like you lit like a a flame at both of those jobs in different in different ways and those flames are still burning even though you have left and I think that's like that's so cool you know like that's, (laughs) that's literally little pieces of your legacy like changing media which is we consume so much of it so it's so important you know I'm really, really proud of you. That's so cool. It's like good to hear. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about your health for a little too, because during um after college, I believe, right? Or maybe your senior mm-hmm. year. Um, um, yeah, let's just talk about your health journey. Let's start with how you kind of started figuring things out, the symptoms and stuff.
1: Yes. So I have type one diabetes and after I think it was twenty seventeen, um, I had been getting so sick. Uh, first, I lost about thirty five pounds, mm-hmm. which I am I'm not a big person. I I was down to like one ten, which is like the smallest I've ever been since probably third grade. Um, I lost my butt. I was really sad. But. <laughs>
0: I, oh, <I'm> so sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got it back, don't worry. Okay,
0: good, good. <laughs>
1: um, but I, I didn't realize I was losing weight. I was, I love clothes. I love fashion. And I realized when I put things on, it was just like not looking right. Um, I also became really addicted to sugar. I was downing sodas, which is so unlike me. I don't even like sodas. I was going to Sonic every day after work and getting a milkshake and cookies and i was addicted to it so i knew something was wrong there i also kept getting infections which is a part of diabetes that i later found out because there's so much sugar in your blood that it can't heal Mm -hmm. um so getting like yeast infections and um you know i had like a scar on my foot that wouldn't heal and different things like that so Another thing is I kept having to go to the bathroom. I was going to the bathroom probably like four to five times an hour and just really couldn't hold my pee. It was horrible. Thinking of all of those things that are going wrong, I kept going to the doctor thinking, you know, I just needed help with my infections. They kept putting me on antibiotics. I was on six different antibiotics, which was making me more sick. And antibiotics do so much good, but they also do a lot of damage, mm-hmm. um, especially in a body that has a lot of things going wrong. Then I, I also didn't tell my family. I just thought every time I went to the doctor, it was going to be fixed. I yeah. really put trust in our doctors and yeah. said, OK, yeah, like this antibiotic's going to do it. Then I would get more sick. I was so strong-willed that like, I don't wanna tell my family when I'm living alone, I have my own apartment, like I'm doing good. I don't wanna yeah. share with them that I'm failing at something. Oh, um, Jordan. I know, I know, It's it's it goes deep, it's Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, my sister is a nurse and I finally told her and I said, you know, I've been on six different antibiotics. I listed all of my symptoms. And she said, you have diabetes. And I'm never a person to like Google symptoms. I wasn't doing that. So if I would have Googled it this time, it would have been textbook. <laughs> diabetes. But I didn't. I, I, I know that there's false information out there. So I didn't want to go crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she said, you have diabetes. It runs in our family. You need to go back to the lab and get blood work done. So once I did that they realized that my my uh blood sugar was at 4 430 which for reference an average person should be between 72 and 100 um I was at 430 so wow. my I had so much sugar in my blood and that's also what was uh played a part in the addiction to sugar like I mm. needed it to keep going Um, and I remember I called my doctor who I had just seen, who was, you know, a gynecologist and I was yelling at her. I was like, how did you not check my blood sugar? Like, how do you not know that? How are you not even like, you just told me to take more medicine. And she was like, well, I don't think you have diabetes. And then she looked at my blood work. She was like, oh yeah, yeah, that is pretty high. She's like, yeah, well, you should probably, um, you know, make an appointment. And that was it. And I was like, I've been sick for months yeah. at that point. It was so horrible. And a turning point in there is when I went to Chicago to visit my sister, still didn't tell them I was sick on the flight. There it was a four hour flight. I went to the bathroom six times Dang. and I was miserable. Oh, yeah. So it was horrible to think that. And and then, you know, I came home. I told my parents I was crying. They were like, yeah, you actually look like you've lost a lot of weight. You don't look well. You, we are coming home right now. And that's when I came home. They saw me. I was still very sick. I'd lost more weight even just in the couple days I came home. They took me to the emergency room. Um, I was also really dehydrated. I couldn't drink enough water that my body needs. I had mm-hmm. like sores on the side of my mouth because of how dry my mouth was. And went to the emergency room and they told me, yep, you're a type one diabetic. You have to take insulin for the rest of your life. And my, it runs in our family. It's hereditary. My uncle is a type one diabetic. Um, and it was horrible news. It was yeah. horrible but also good news because I can figure out what was wrong with me after Mm. these six months of just feeling awful. Um, But it was heartbreaking to say like your life as you know, it is going to change. And I was 23 years old. So I had lived this whole life of not having to count carbs and not having to poke myself with needles, with insulin. Um, But now it's, it's who I am. And it's a part of my story and my testimony. And um, yeah, now it's, it's insulin all day, every day. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. And because I, I, I could not even imagine going through all, all those symptoms for so long and just not knowing. Um, so yeah, I think like, it's great that you can share your story. And maybe if someone else is going through that, they can, Get the help that they need what is there anything that you now know that you wish you knew then
1: mm. i think being patient with myself and i still struggle with that i mean i think just a couple weeks ago i kind of broke down of just really hating that i have this i mm. hate it And it's not like this fun, glamorous thing. It's a disease. And it's something that I could potentially pass on to my children, which is also very scary. Um, But being patient to know that it's based off of my body. It's very, it's not, you know, one plus one equals two. It's Mm -hmm. how are you feeling? And really having to check in with myself to say, okay, you know, you're feeling really low. You're starting to sweat you need to eat more. And there was a time there that I didn't want to eat. It was like, I, I don't want to poke myself. I don't want to put in insulin. Yeah. So, okay, I'm just not going to eat as much. And then there's like, okay, you're crashing. You're going low. You actually have to eat. You have to eat something very sugary because you are, you know, your blood sugar is dropping. Um,
0: Can you so explain- Uh, sorry yeah go ahead keep going I'm sorry I totally cut you off
1: (laughs) no no no. I was just gonna say that I to be patient with myself to understand that this is something even three years in I'm still very new at um and I just have to take it day by day that's all that I can do
0: yeah um can you explain like what the repercussions are if like if you don't eat um and like if you sh- if your sugar drops too low can you explain like what those um what happens if that happens
1: yeah so basically anytime that i eat i have to take insulin but if there if my blood sugar for example is at 150 and i go on a run that exercise is going to drop my blood sugar um So then if I just go about my day and don't have a snack or anything to kind of level it out, then I will crash. And that's when, you know, any textbook, probably any movie you saw where someone is a diabetic and they're sweating, um, I start fumbling over my words and you just feel terrible like you just don't have any energy to go on because Mm. sugar and food gives us energy and it gives us life and it's able for us to keep going so without that I just start to crumble like I just become this old lady that's like crawls into a ball because I don't have enough energy to keep going so wow, you have to eat and diabetes is all about trying to keep it level. You don't want your numbers to be too high, like how I was, because Mm -hmm. then all those symptoms start coming back and you don't want it to be too low or you sweat and you are just feeling horrible. So you're trying to keep it in the middle and a normal person, whenever you eat your pancreas produces insulin. So it matches Mm -hmm. that sugar. So I, my pancreas doesn't work. It pieced out. So I have to inject myself with insulin to meet those um carbs so just trying to keep it level that's all that diabetes is Mm -hmm.
0: um what are I'm sure there's some things that people say or do that is really frustrating um in regards to diabetes specifically Mm -hmm. uh do you have any of those that you can tell (laughs) like (laughs) what's like what are those myths that you're like shut the f up like
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. I think the biggest one is the difference between type one and type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. So type two is something that your uncle or your grandmother has because over time their poor eating habits and lack of exercise just kind of caught up with them. And their A1c, which is kind of the, your blood sugar over the course of a three month span or so is probably a seven, which anything a seven above is diabetes. So they're like right at the border. Mm-hmm. My A1C was a 13. So it was very high and not reversible. It's, it's nothing that I can change. It's, it's my pancreas is done for. Type two, you can still produce insulin It's just working. It's not able to keep up with all the carbs that you're intaking. Mm. So if you switch to eating salads and take your walks every day, then you can lower that A1C, get off of medication and your life goes back to normal. Mm. For a type one, that will never be the case. I just have to eat that way forever and exercise forever and you're still going to have it. So mm-hmm. I think right when I got diagnosed, it was like, oh, you can fight this. Like, you can reverse it. You can change mm-hmm. it. And it's like, no, I can't. Like, I, yeah. it's going to be with me. So that's probably the biggest one of the lack of education for the differences between type one and type two.
0: Yeah. Um, thank you for explaining that. That was a good explanation. Thanks. Cool. Um, let me go back to my notes real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh yeah any advice for anyone um who wants to get into freelance writing back to writing (laughs) back to writing Mm -hmm. advice you know freelance writing
1: is hard I'm not -hmm. gonna lie I'm not gonna lie I there are people that do freelance writing full-time and Mm -hmm. that's just their jam and you have to hustle like to make a living off of freelance writing like It's not for me, but if you want to go into it on the side as like a side hustle, know what you can bring to that publication. It kind of goes back to that. If you see that it's a sports website that doesn't have women's sports writing or WNBA and you feel like you can add that reach out to whoever the editor is um, or maybe somebody who has written about WNBA on that website. See who you can connect to and just start formulating a relationship, sending them pitches. If something um, sparks your interest, sending it over to them, making sure that you have your invoices in check, know that how much their rate is, be able to keep track of all that. I think that's the tip for freelancing is Mm -hmm. knowing where your money is coming in, knowing who's not paying you. That's why I always blast. I wish I could put on a shirt, like pay your freelancers on time (laughs) because nobody does. So being able to have that log of invoices, knowing where you submit pitches, knowing what they've already published of yours, being able to keep a log And then shopping that around more, the more names that you get published, being able to say I was published on this and this and this and really Mm -hmm. like, you know, you have to toot your own horn in freelancing. That is not a humble business at all. You're saying this is what I can bring for you and you need to pay me off of the normal payroll for you to, you know, publish it. So you have to really be into yourself you gotta know it (laughs) yeah
0: I think that's freelance for any 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 job you gotta like hustle yes which you remind me I have an invoice I need to send. (laughs) I'm so bad at that (laughs) but yes keep track of your finances (laughs) collect those checks yeah um any pitch advice like any advice for reaching out and even just I guess for a job but yeah good luck yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know that when I received pitches kind of being on the other end of that, when I was at locale, I always loved pitches that were, you did a lot of the homework already. Mm. I to kind of give a better example of what not to do is just being like, Oh, you know, I saw this one girl and like link her Instagram. Like she seems really cool. (laughs) Like that's not what, okay. Being able to see pitches that are already well thought out and saying like okay here's Kayla here's her story here's her Instagram she was featured on this and this I think she would be great for putting the publication there because this this and this and, this. and being able to really be detailed in that so since I've seen the pitches come through it's been much easier to pitch to know yeah. that you just have to have your shit together. Like you need to know what you're going to be writing about and put, um, put the editor at ease that you're mm-hmm. not going to turn in something completely different than what they had in their mind. Um, some editors go the, the distance to, you know, need an outline. Like mm-hmm. give me an outline of the story already so I can already plan where this is going to go, what month, what time. And then always, um, you know, going off of that, why like why are we telling this story why do we need to feature this person it it has to come with a why besides they're really cool they're really pretty yeah they're in la like it, it can't be just that it's they have a movie coming out they have an event coming up they just hit a huge milestone they went viral this week so being able to know the specific reason of why they need to publish that story
0: cool that's great advice um Oh, I had a question. <laughs> I had a question but I lost it. No, I, I wanted to know, know. um, no, 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 you're doing great. You're doing <laughs> great, honey. Um, dang, I really lost it. I really, oh, I wanted advice on interview, like giving an interview and in podcasting. I mean, your girl started one, so I need some help. <laughs> <laughs> Any advice you have oh. for me?
1: I'm still learning podcasting. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to come off as an expert in that. I'm still learning. I think with sports podcasting in particular, but I I realize this goes for anything and where I've made the mistake is not preparing. Like not feeling like, oh yeah, I know. Like I can just talk. You know, people (laughs) people (laughs) think podcasting is, oh yeah, we're just talking. But you really have to prepare. And I made... I just, you know, there's outlines, you read through it. But when you do the extra research, when you find the little nuggets, the fun facts, and really be able to bring that to the podcast, bring that to the host or as the host, that is amazing. And it really (laughs) makes a difference because if you go there and you're like, oh yeah, I, I did. Okay. I did a podcast about, it was more like pop culture. Mm -hmm. And I kind of know about it, like celebs and stuff, but I think I, I really have to do research and I didn't, I ran out of time and I went on that podcast and (laughs) I had nothing to say. I had nothing to (laughs) add to the conversation because I didn't do that research. And I was like, okay, that was terrible. Never again. Now I know I need to be super prepared, over prepared. You need to know more information than ever. So yes, I've learned, I've learned that about podcasting.
0: <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, I agree. What, um, what writing advice would you give if someone wanted to become a writer? Yeah. Or yeah, God, fresh out of college, Jordan, what would you tell her?
1: oh baby fresh out of college Jordan with J school (laughs) under her belt you're gonna change the journalism world I keep hitting the mic but I would say I think one thing I learned and this might be specific to me but it I'm sure other people feel this way of having a story you have it already written in your head before you interview somebody or at least I do when I interview someone I'm like okay these are the things I want to point out this is a story I want to tell and when I would kind of share like who I was interviewing I felt pressure and like It had to be this perfect story and, oh, are you going to talk about this? Or are you going to talk about this? And feeling the need to put that in the story, even though that wasn't the story I was going to tell. Mm -hmm. So being able to kind of sift through um, outside opinions and also other stories that were written on that person. I think that's also something I read those stories. Yeah, that was really good. Like how. How am I going to retell those same events? How am I going to do it differently? Like this is in the New York Times or or really trying to put those other writers on a pedestal when that's totally not necessary. Um, Trusting in yourself that you're going to tell a different story and it's your writing. It's your words. As a writer, you get to Create the sentences, the word choice. You chose that word for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. That's what you felt in that moment when you were interviewing them. You took in your surroundings and you're describing something that is unique to you. This is your perspective. So, not putting so much weight in other writers that maybe have told a similar story or something like it, and just knowing and trusting in yourself that. Your words, your sentences, your paragraphs, your structure—all of that—with probably
0: an editor's. Um, yeah, that's really good advice. I think, kind of, all your advice, which is kind of what we say in other episodes. We all agree that just authentically being yourself and bringing that into any position is really your power. Like, that's like the gift that you have—is like just bringing your your true, like, authentic self. Um. Yeah. And I love the way you talk about writing. You make it just sound so uh, like magical and cool. And you're just so <laughs> intentional about like about it. It's just cool. It's cool to see. Um. Any it's current? Hard. Pro- oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> any um current projects or things that you'd like to share? Yeah. So I just started a new
1: job <laughs> like yes, last yeah. week. How's it going? Um, it's it's going. We Good. are figuring out a virtual new job. That is very different. But Is it all online? Um, yeah, it's all cool. through the computer and I just I think it's just very interesting starting a new job and going through everything virtually. It's it's really strange. Yeah. Um but it's called Mojo and it's about youth sports and coaches. Mm. So I would encourage everyone to follow me on Instagram at Jordan Liggins, but also follow (laughs) you got Mojo because it's for anyone that was an athlete when they were younger, but also are taking the jump into coaching. And Mm -hmm. it's not just specifically, you know, a soccer coach, it's the parent coach. It's someone who's volunteering, someone who just wants to be involved and, um, I don't have any kids yet, but I know that's going to be me. So that's why I yeah. also took this opportunity because it's so relatable and, um, yeah, I'm really excited to be working with that brand. So it's, it's going to be gonna good. It's
0: going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> um, you, that was, I was going to say, where can our listeners find you at, but at Jordan Liggins, I will, um, add that all to the show notes too. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. This is the best. Yes, it's
0: so fun. Okay. (laughs) Yay. If you made it this far, you made it through episode five. Congratulations. You get the outro with me, your girl Kayla. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your time and energy and sharing the space with me. Um, Yeah, I'm so thankful. I was just thinking about how much of a time capsule... I probably talk about this every outro, but I just, you know, how much of a record this will all be and how it already is. And I'm so excited. I'm the kind of person that loves photo albums and journaling. And I literally just finished a journal I had for 10 years. I wrote a novel, basically. I wonder if I talked about this in an outro already. If I did... (laughs) Just ignore me. If I didn't... (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad this is the first time we're having this conversation. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode with Jordan. I had a lot of fun um, talking with her, and actually, it's one of my favorite episodes. I listened to it a bunch of times. Um, I just enjoy Jordan's like enthusiasm for her her work and and her work ethic, and just I enjoyed sharing a space with her and chatting with her. Um, and I'm glad she got to share it with you all. And, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your day wherever you may be. And I'll catch you guys next Wednesday, and you're in for a treat. I'll be talking with Sophia Boniza about just about everything. And um, we'll really get into, like, conscious listening and and vulnerability. And, yeah, I think it'll be a good episode. I'm I'm pretty sure it will be a pretty great episode. So, yeah, catch you guys next Wednesday. Bye.